edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we check out some of what you may call the more cliche travel excursions. Route 66. Oh yeah. Hotels that are their own celebrities and an African safari. Plus we give you our very own royal tribute in honour of our beloved and departed sovereign. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters. We're back in the big wide world having a bit of fun. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike ready to have some frolics yardly so good to be frolicking with you andrew (laughs) and always with you michael how very catholic now movie budgets are very big these days but not quite so that warner brothers can just whip up a hotel when it suits no film crews and actors do tend to descend on a hotel that suits the story and they go from there understandably numerous hotels bask in this glory and are quite happy for uh, you know the additional custom that it brings uh, the notoriety with the new thing called set jetting yes i love this term because obviously we all know about jet setting we do but a lot of people travel to see famous hotels indeed they celebrity do. hotels i know set jetting yeah cool eh? the glittery celebrity power and big screen blockbusters have propelled a slew of these sorts of hotels into the spotlight over the years. Uh, They may have first caught the eye of Tinseltown movie makers, but they remain the object of enduring affection for travellers. So you might be thinking of taking a set jetting pilgrimage uh, to some shooting locations of your favourite flicks. Movie-inspired travel is what has brought about this catchphrase, set jetting. Absolutely. And there are so many star specimens. There are, like the Sahara Palace Makresh Hotel Morocco, where Carrie and the girls romped in Sex and the City 2, or the Grand Hotel Pap Calovivari, Czech Republic, where Daniel Craig was 007 in Casino Royale. But the uh, Plaza New York is a very, very big example. I think it's probably the best uh, because it has really been the location for so many blockbusters. Mm. Uh, The plaza lording over Central Park in New York, so famous. It's now under the Fairmont banner in a big Apple high society beacon for over a century. The plaza's cinematic pedigree runs deep. It has featured in Dozens of movies. Yeah, from Hitchcock's North by Northwest in 1959 to The Great Gatsby, Crocodile Dundee, Sleepless in Seattle. I forgot about Crocodile Dundee. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably the most famous would have to be Home Alone 2. Yes. Now, this is where Kevin lives it up in a very lavish suite, courtesy of Daddy's credit card. And you know my favourite line from that movie when he says to the concierge, what sort of idiots do you have working here? And he says, the best in New York, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Um, If this Fifth Ave pleasure pad is beyond your pay grade and you haven't got Kevin's daddy's credit card for an overnighter, there is another option. A very popular option is afternoon tea in the hotel's Palm Court. This is like a revered... New York social ritual, and it has been for over a century. Now, for something different, a nice country getaway, you can stay at Mountain Lake Lodge, Virginia, USA, which dates back to 1851. 1851? Yeah. 
So this is before the American Civil War. Yeah, so back then, stagecoach travellers were the main punters, the primary customers. But in 1986, it was frequented by Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey as part of Dirty Dancing. Ah. was filmed there. And it's such a relaxed mountain lodge type affair with Stony Creek Tavern, Mary's Market and Cafe, and the Salt Pond Pub. All delightful with food and atmos to match. No one puts Andrew in a corner. (laughs) Closer to home, uh, the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, yes. The Palace Hotel. You will remember this for the murals. Remember those ridiculous murals in the the bedrooms? (laughs) (laughs) So this is a real hotel. You can go to this. It so is, yeah. Uh, Broken Hill in Australia. Instantly recognisable from Priscilla. Of course, this is the 1994 Aussie cult hit, which cut a swathe across the outback. And the Palace Hotel is where they enjoyed a particularly colourful layover en route to Alice Springs. If you really want to pay homage to the Queen of the Desert in style, why not book a night in the Priscilla Suite? Now, we all remember this movie because it was Guy Pearce's first big role after Neighbours. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Now, the, the, the you can stay actually stay at the Shining Hotel. Yes. That's, this is creepy. Very creepy. If you oh. find yourself in Oregon, yeah. you could make a date with the Horror Hotel and Stephen King's classic chiller, The Shining. Overlook Hotel, as depicted in the 1980 film, is actually the ski resort Timberline Larch. And movie fans in the know, they flock to stay in Room 217. Oh, Yes which was the most haunted room of all, according to the storyline. Wasn't that where Red Rum was on the mirror? Yes. In, 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 in reverse, it was murder. Yeah. Do, um, do you know what was really funny the other day? I was looking on Netflix, and they had The Shining on Netflix. Yes. And you had, they had those little trigger warnings, and it said, contains domestic violence. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my if domestic violence is your concern from The Shining, yeah. you probably need to... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not what I'd call domestic violence, no. just quietly. Blimey. Yeah. Um, by the way, I do love how at the Timberline Lodge, they've got a hotel library of movies, right? And yeah. they will happily give you a copy of The Shining <laughs> that you can watch... While you... Stay in room 217. Yeah, that's... For your viewing pleasure. That's kind of like watching (laughs) watching an air disaster movie on a plane when you're taking off, isn't it? Yeah, true. Now, the best exotic marigold hotel. That that was a movie. Yes. But it is actually a real hotel. It is. That you can stay at. Yeah. It burst onto uh, the big screen nine years ago. Yeah. The best exotic marigold hotel. It has been a bonanza for tourism growth before COVID came along in Rajasthan. I only recently found out that the property depicted in the movie is, in fact, yeah, a real deal hotel. It's actually in real life called the Ravla Kempur, which is a 17th century former palace in Udupur now in this, Rajasthan. This, yeah, but this movie was packed with like British acting royalty, including yeah. Dame Judi Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, yep. and the 214 sequel also featured Richard Gere. Yes. This, this was like the people of the people. The hotel also uh, is very big on set jetter tours of the movie's key locations around the city. So they're very aware of this whole movie location genre of travel. And on a similar note, the award-winning Lost in Translation um, oh, yeah. saw bookings to the Park Hyatt in Tokyo absolutely rocket. Yeah. 
So if you remember Lost in Translation, the property served as the main setting yes. for that Oscar-winning flick. It's where Bob and Charlotte stayed. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, hotels do a lot of business out of appearing in movies, but five-star hotels do not come cheap. That's you know? true. Nightly tariffs, particularly at the Park Hyatt Tokyo, can be eye-watering. Another option, an economical option to toast the film, pop up to the top-level New York Bar and Grill, which did feature in Lost in Translation ah. at the Park Hyatt, and order up their signature drink, an L-I-T cocktail, of course. Lit. Lit. You'd be lit after a few of those, oh, wouldn't yes, you? Yes. Now, Beverly Hills is etched in all our minds as Decadence Plus, especially if you have the postcode of 90210. Thank you, Tori Spelling. And it is home to the Pretty Woman Hotel. Yes. Pretty Woman's like, they, oh, yeah. Rom-con royalty, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. The Hotel Queen would have to be the Four Seasons Beverly Wilshire which overlooks fashionable Rodeo Drive. Oh. It's such a dreamy spot to toast your day's discoveries, enjoy a cheeky cocktail at the Boulevard Restaurant and Lounge in the hotel. And, of course, uh, this is the hotel made famous by Richard Gere. He's getting a few mentions here. He is. Uh, and Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Now, this is a great example of where the hotel will absolutely cash in on their movie fame. Yeah, the legacy lives on with the signature cocktail list once again. <laughs> you can order up a gentleman. You can order up a pretty woman. Can you? In a glass. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're willing to seriously. <laughs> I'll have a gentleman and a pretty woman in, in room 217, please. <laughs> oh, if you're willing to seriously splash out and stay the night. <laughs> Much of the action between Vivian and... <laughs> <laughs> and Edward yeah. took place in the Swish presidential suite, including uh, the bathtub scene. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and did they? No. Okay. Then, of course, there is the actual Beverly Hills Hotel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, legendary Hollywood experiences don't get more starry-eyed than a sojourn at the BHH, uh, also known as the Pink Palace. So this is where a lot of primping and preening goes on in those hotel bungalows. A lot of them are named after um, VIPs over the years. So like, you know, there's the Elizabeth Taylor bungalow and the oh. Marilyn Monroe bungalow. And oh, it's quite incredible. Um, but, yeah, the Pink Palace is still at the top of your game, retaining her charismatic pull with the Hollywood crowd. Um, I've always been interested at the association between Beverly Hills and Hollywood because mm. Beverly Hills is so swanky and Hollywood itself is such a dive. Yeah, it is. Eh? It is just. Mm. Dirty, filthy, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. Anyway, now if you can't afford the price of a night, at uh, the, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm meaning with a hotel, at a hotel. This is true. Um, so at the Beverly Hills Hotel, they do have a number of very iconic eating and drinking venues. For example, the Polo Lounge, a golden escape to old school swank, very much still part of Hollywood's power dining scene. A more contemporary spot within the hotel is Bar 1912, which celebrates its opening year. Uh, that's worth a visit uh, to simply drink in one of those famous Beverly Hills sunsets. To but, say you have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Have mm. your little cocktail in hand on the beautiful terrace overlooking the pool. Ooh, the pool. Um, and speaking of the pool, the pool. Uh, you aren't allowed to take photos what? anywhere around the pool. Why not? Because there could be a celeb in the water and they don't like, you know, no. thinking you are paparazzi. So cameras aren't allowed at the pool. Oh. But you will, at the pool, find complimentary drinks. Oh, lovely. And soft serve 
Ice cream. What? Soft serve ice cream. The other thing which Mr. Mr. Whippy. <laughs> Mr. Whippy. Uh, the other cool thing about the Beverly's, uh, Beverly Hills Hotel pool, uh, take a dip and marvel at the underwater music. And what? It's, and it's all celebrated movie soundtracks. So there's all this underwater music. Oh you put your head under the water and you can hear music. After how many lines of cocaine does this make sense? This is true. Mm. Very la-la land. Indeed, yes. jolly. Something for absolutely everyone. Next up, we get our kicks on Route 66. Stay with us. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Now, Michael, if I said to you, we've got a full tank of gas half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. I'd be thinking Jake and Elroy, the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. Yes, says in Illinois, and there are 103 cars destroyed in the 1980 Blues Brothers film. Oh my goodness, wasn't that a world record? It was, it still kind of is, but in the sequel, Blues Brothers 2000, they destroyed 104 cars. <laughs> the makers of the sequel deliberately destroyed one more car to break their own record. Brilliant. Lovely. If you are keen on the classic American road trip, Route 66 through Illinois, uh, from Chicago to St. Louis, totally captures the essence of this legendary ride. Um, it's about six hours drive time. I mean, let's face it, we've all grown up hearing about Route 66. Yeah. So no. It's one of those like bucket list things that, yeah. you know, for a six-hour drive, why not? That's it. America's mother road. Shamelessly touristy, but it's such a great taster of all things retro Americana. And in Illinois, vast stretches of the original Mother Road uh, have actually been preserved. So you are driving on the real thing. Yay. Yeah. So after setting off from Chicago, not with half a pack of cigarettes and a full tank of gas, uh, and at great speed, what would one look for, Michael? Well, once you're out of Chicago and you wonder if those endless cornfields are going to stupefy you. Those cornfields <laughs> actually freak me out, to be oh. honest, because they've been the home for so many horror movies. Haven't they? Just... You see cornfield, you think Stephen King or, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. I think it was probably about an hour or so down the road of cornfields that suddenly <laughs> little small towns drenched in neon started to appear on the horizon. Horizon. First up, Wilmington, which is home to one of the Mother Road's best landmarks, my all-time favourite. Oh. Come on down, Gemini Giant. What, the bright <laughs> green 30-foot-tall fiberglass spaceman? Yes. Yeah, how very American. And he's towering above the old launching pad driving diner, <laughs> very much a vestige of the, a vestige of the space age. This is selfie stop royalty. I actually took quite a few selfies with Gemini Giant. <laughs> and then further down the road, Atlanta, not to be confused with Atlanta, Georgia, Coca-Cola no, country. Exactly. Atlanta, Illinois, is where you will find Gemini Giant's mate, Tall Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and he is this enormous roadside colossus. Clutching a hot dog. Oh, how very American. Okay, so, but Route 66, you're going to have to check out. I mean, if you want to, you know, feel like you're in a movie, you'd have to check out some classic gas stations. Yes. Two of the best are in the neighbouring towns of Dwight and Odell. Two little 1930s Texaco stations. Uh, they're so quaint. You've got your classic canopied roadhouse studded with those vintage bowsers. Oh. Who knew anything Texaco could actually be so cute 
You know, I think Texaco in general think oil slick. Yeah, so, you know what I mean? Dying fish and birds. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, very sort of ExxonMobil. And we're about to get sued. Probably um, are. <laughs> so, yeah, these very cool little roadhouses are still there in Dwight and Odell. What really intrigued me along Route 66, Illinois, is whether you stop at gas stations or diners, everyone urges you to sign their guest book. That's because they're tracking you through 5G. Yes. That'll be it. That's it. That's it. Make sure you wear your tinfoil hat. Yes. Mm. It is kind of like a throwback to the age before TripAdvisor and Facebook. Yeah. Because guest books in New Zealand, I don't think you would find many, would you? Not really. You certainly wouldn't find them at the local BP. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) And you mentioned Texaco and and the kitsch factor. It's amazing how many things came out. When they came out, we thought that's doggone ugly. Yes. And now it's like, oh, that's so cute. That's so cool. It's so retro. Yes. Well, actually, it's still ugly, but it's Mm. kind of music's like that too. That's true. Songs that came out, then we thought, oh, this is terrible. Now we listen back and go, oh, that song. Don't stop believing. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know the one? Yeah, still yeah. rubbish. Yeah. So Pontiac, very popular town. Such a cool town. It's a knockout town. It's my favourite town on Route 66, Illinois. Why? Mother Road of America. Um, vividly good looking. It's just a sexy little town. Quintessential small town America. And it's bedecked mm. in these giant wall murals evoking Route 66's glory days. You like places with murals, don't you? I do like a good mural. Yeah. yeah. I've got a feel for a fresco. (laughs) I've got a fresco fetish. There's a a T-shirt or a coffee cup in that. There probably is. Mm. Many of the – there could be a mural in it. (laughs) (laughs) Many of the murals were created by a local artist called Barb Waldmeyer, and he binge-tripped the Mother Road in his V-dub micro bus. Oh, my goodness. Now, if you've seen the Cars Was he, movie. Would did he have a Grateful Dead cassette? <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop <laughs> believing. Yeah. Anyway, if you've seen the Cars movie, do you remember Fillmore, the car? Oh. Or the vehicle, yeah, the yeah. bus? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Bob's oh. V-dub micro bus. Really? How cool. Yeah. It was immortalized in the Cars movie. Lovely. Um, So you've got these fabulous little museums in Pontiac, awesome diners, and along the sidewalks, they have installed miniature classic cars as a salute to the great American models that regularly purred through. My runaway favorite town. Yeah. And the Pontiac car itself is quintessentially American. Yeah. Now, today, many associate Springfield with The Simpsons for obvious reasons, but it's all about Abraham Lincoln. Yes. If you do want an overnight stop en route through Illinois on Route 66, this is the state capital. This is probably your best bet for an overnighter, particularly if you like your history, because it's all about Honest Abe here in Springfield, Illinois. You've got the what they call the Holy Trinity of Lincoln. His home, his presidential library, and his tomb really? in Springfield. Yeah, so there's a lot to devour. Yeah, hmm. they, they quite fancied old Abe, didn't they? Yeah. Now, having to drive uh, drive Route 66 would have curbed your penchant for cocktails, uh, so you would have had to eat. There are some rather decadent roadside eats, right? I am such a sucker. For old school catch. Yes. You are. I, I can am. tell that. I've yes. seen your wardrobe. Uh, and there's plenty of authentic Route 66 diners all along the way. Yeah. Still going strong since the road first opened. Go to Palm Grill Cafe in Atlanta. Let's face it. Roadside, the grill, 
with the burnt filter coffee yeah. is like as American as apple pie and Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. With a frumpy old waitress. With an... <laughs> With an with a tood, with an ill-fitting bra, <laughs> and, and, an, and an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yeah, that's true. What did you call that? A tood. Yeah, tood. You got a bad tood. <laughs> well, at Pun Grill Cafe, they do a very nice. <laughs> 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 the episode that gets us taken off here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I reckon, yes. Palm Girl Cafe. You'll find this in Atlanta. They do a very nice gooseberry pie. Ooh. Oh, yes. A gooseberry pie. <laughs> uh, Nellie's Cafe in Wilmington, close by to Gemini Giant. Uh, Nellie's had the best tasting burgers. what about burgers. Tall Paul? Tall Paul. Well, he was holding his hot dog. Oh, he was. Yeah. Okay. Move on from that image, please. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, yeah. in Springfield, home to Honest Ape, they've got the Cozy Dog Drive-In. Now, there is something very, very revered about the Cozy Dog Dine-In. There's something quite disturbing about the name, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> the owner yeah. created this revered American Midwest icon, the Corn Dog. Oh, the Corn Dog. This is where it all began. Really? Yes. At the Cozy Dog Drive-In? Yep. Mm. Springfield, Illinois. I suppose they have to do something with all that corn with all those fields that you've just seen. <laughs> so corn dogs was it. Corn dogs was it. Yeah. All right. So what else before you hit Missouri? Yes. Uh, just before you get to Missouri and St. Louis, the last gasp is a cracking climax, the old chain of rocks bridge. Now this I know about because it's got a really dumb design. It was built to spirit Route 66s <laughs> across the Mississippi River, right? But yeah. Yes, you're right. Very unusual bridge because... It is one mile long, and it's got a 30-degree angled bend halfway across. What did they muck up their trajectory and start building it and going, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> We're going that way. We need to be going that way. <laughs> Jethro, <laughs> what are you doing with that map? I've just dropped my conduct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. So they, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was a major design defect. <laughs> It caused it caused a lot of crashes. Yeah. So nowadays, uh, this is a Route 66 relic. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was the same people that designed the Auckland Harbour Bridge. Probably. <laughs> yeah. You can't drive across it anymore. However, yeah. what you can do is you can park up and you can get on your bike or you can get on your feet and walk across. <laughs> um, so it's now the world's, or one of the world's, longest cycling and pedestrian bridges. <laughs> and was not designed that way. Indeed. Lovely. Uh, well, that is our little trip on Route 66. Next up, we go on safari. <laughs> How does it go? <laughs> Excellent. In, uh, <laughs> in South Africa. Oh, dear. Uh, back in the mo. Welcome back, Kiwi Tripsters. Mike and Andrew, Safari. We're going on Safari. Let's go, Seven. Oh, it's a Seven Safari. Uh, a Safari is something that you would never forget at all. Ah, oh, so true. Kruger National Park in South Africa is the first place I went to to see the wildlife of Africa. This is one of Africa's largest game reserves. Now, for you know your first Safari, it's all about the Big Five, what they call the Big yeah, Five, right? So true. Yep. Lions, elephants, rhinos, leopards, and buffalo. They are the big five. Okay. And on the Twilight Safari that I took 
at Kruger. I saw all of them within the space of 30 minutes. It was like, wow, your circus on parade, <laughs> fast forwarded. Come on down, Lion. Come on, Buffalo. Quick, quick. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, in all seriousness, there was a very contented leopard that couldn't give us stuff that we ogled him up close as he devoured the remains of a diker Which that he a, had just caught for lunch. It's a little antelope. A little diker. Yeah, poor little antelope. Uh. After catching the antelope, he hauled its carcass up to the top of its tree that the leopard was parked yeah. in and just chomped away happily on little diker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's nature at its best, it isn't is. it? Yeah. What were your most magical wildlife encounters on this here safari? Yeah. Well, I think on one drive, what really struck me is we crossed paths with this massive herd of buffalo bulls, yeah. and they were sort of glaring longingly at us with quite a miffed look on their face. <laughs> They're a miffed-looking animal, generally. They are. Yeah. I think they've got a bad attitude. A tood. Yeah, bad tood. Um, <laughs> I do love, though, how those buffalo bulls, they look at you as if you owe them money. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could be like the mafioso of Africa, you know? Hey, you, you owe me money. All right, now, white rhino, uh, been in the news quite a lot over the last few decades, yeah. and white rhino are definitely a crowd favourite, particularly mamas and their calves. They're like a fortress on four legs. So majestic, menacing in equal measure. Mm. Yeah, And, of course, the bird life. And the birds, oh. the birds love you. Yes. I was enthralled by the bird life, which probably won't surprise you because no. generally I do find them quite enthralling. And they find you quite annoying. Oh, they're besotted <laughs> by me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I particularly was besotted, by the way, by the leopard-faced vulture. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I think, I have to say, I'm sorry if any leopard-faced vultures are listening, but you are the ugliest mm -hmm. bird in the world. Yeah. So sinister. They are, but they're quite incredible animals. Yeah. Their eyesight is astounding. Yeah. I had a guide at Kruger who said, you do realise... That leopard-faced vulture you're looking at can read a line from a newspaper <laughs> two kilometres above ground. Okay, I'm, I'm appreciating the I'm appreciating the sentiment here. Yes, but how do we know yes. that that a leopard-faced vulture can actually read a newspaper? Would be interested in reading one of our newspapers, mm. especially from two kilometres above the ground. Well, this is true because I didn't actually notice any leopard-faced vultures brandishing a copy of the Johannesburg Times. No, no, oh, that's that's an interesting way to frame it. Yes. Yeah, they could have done something better. Okay, why is Kruger National Park such a magnet? Well, I think it's because it's so massive. Two million hectares is the wow. size of Kruger. Yeah, so it is South Africa's largest game park. It's probably the variety of animals as well. You've got over 147 mammal species. Name them. <laughs> no, that's, that's very cool. It's like the Great Protector, and it was founded over 125 years ago, and I think it's – that huge concentration of wildlife that makes it such a tractor beam for tourists. Now, safaris are something that, you know, for like for those of us who are New Zealand or Australia, I mean, Australia may be a bit different, but you know, a lot of people look at safaris and go, they, there's no actual concept if you haven't been on one. Mm. And, you know, for most first timers, they'll be surprised by the intimacy and the, the confronting closeness of the animals as they stroll past you, not giving a Tuppany toss yeah. about you at all. Indeed. 
Because they've, they've got other food to have and you're not on their menu. Yeah, that's true. And nature's bounty is thick on the ground. That being said, on an average day, two or three white rhino are killed at the hands of poachers in Kruger alone. Don't get me started on that. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, they, they're they trying so hard to stop it. There are these aerial patrols. There are ground patrols to try and stem the carnage. Vietnam has a lot to answer for, I have to say, because they have now eclipsed China as the number one destination for rhino horn. So a lot of wealthy Vietnamese covet mounting a rhino horn on their wall as nothing more than just a vanity trophy. I mean, it's just hideous. Why would they? Mm, senseless. And, and, and who, who would go around to someone's place and not say to them, my God, why have you got that on your wall? Would, would most... Of their friends say, oh, gosh, you're lucky to have one of those. Could I get one? Who did you get in contact with? Mm. It's maddening, eh? Don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah. There were some amazingly close encounters with lions (laughs) while I was in Kruger. My tracker, Pedro, nearly ended up on top of a lioness. Ooh. Who glared her amber eyes at him with fury as we rounded a corner in the Land Cruiser. Did she have cubs? I suspect she probably did. Mm. Yeah, we couldn't see the cubs at that point, but um, it was interesting that most of my guides said to me, the lions will generally give you a warning sign that you are too close for comfort. They won't attack you straight away. You'll get a warning shot. And generally it is that stare down. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, it's the people that go, oh, they're just looking at me. It doesn't matter Mm. that ended up on there. In a plate. Yeah. Did the Lion King remake actually perk up interest in safaris again? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably the Hobbit effect equivalent. Yeah. Uh, in South Africa. And on my last visit before COVID, Kruger was totally awash with American honeymooners, hmm. which is an interesting trend. It will be fascinating to see if this returns in the coming, you know, year or two. But prior to COVID, American millennials considered an African safari as number one on their wish list for how to honeymoon. Really? Which is quite amazing, isn't it? But the other thing is, in The Lion King, both the original and the remake, it was interesting talking to the guides, and Disney nailed exactly, for example, how warthogs walk, as in Pumbaa. Yeah. Um, It's like they are wearing stilettos. But very dainty walking. Yeah, they are. And if you remember Zazu, he was the hornbill bird. Yes. Zazu. Very cool. The very wise Zazu. Yes. Yeah. You will see Zazu all over Kruger National Park. Beautiful birds. Absolutely. Now, where does one stay on such a safari? There where, are, do you, where do you bed down? <laughs> not, not next to the lioness. No, not lounging with a lion. No. Um, there are a plethora of private game reserves that sit alongside and also within Kruger National Park. So you have got lodges galore to choose from. Nala Game Reserve, which is right next to Kruger proper, is absolutely superb because it brilliantly caters to all, whether you are an American honeymooner or a Kiwi family. It's affordable luxury, which is why New Zealanders really like Nala. I also went to Earth Lodge on Sabi Sabi Reserve. So if you are looking for a really big splurge. Yeah, this is quite expensive, isn't it? Very expensive. Very indulgent. In fact, while I was there, I ended up having lunch 
with Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double from the Harry Potter franchise. He did all of Daniel's uh, stunt action shots. What, Daniel didn't ride his own broom? Unfortunately not. The big blouse. Yeah. The great thing about Kruger, it caters to all budgets. So even the most basic backpacker accommodation is available for 30, 40 bucks a night. If That's... you wanted to lounge with a lion in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> but it is utterly addictive. This is the thing about safaris. Once you do one, you will be hooked for life. Lovely. Okay, for a change of pace, yes. uh, we're going to get royally royal in memory of our beloved HRH, and we're back in a moment. This is Kiwi Tripsters with Mike and Andrew. Now, earlier this month, the world mourned the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, our head of state and such a stirring beacon of service and stability. Uh, If it has fired up your desire to head to the UK, wouldn't you love to enjoy a true royal stay? Dripping with royal heritage, there is a surprising amount of regal accommodation experiences to be found in Britain. And you don't have to break the bank. No, to Eh. sleep with the royals. That's been (laughs) your... My bucket list, well, of course, dream, isn't it? Well, I think Prince Andrew. To move on. Uh, <laughs> plenty of hotels pledge to make you feel like royalty, right? You know, you'll often see it with five star hotels. Mm. Come and stay with us; we'll treat you like royalty. But what could be better than bedding down in a real deal royal residence? Indeed. Now let's start in Scotland with the Castle of May. Yes, this is high up in Sutherland, the most northerly castle on the British mainland, uh, the 16th century Castle of May. This old pile's bloodstained history was given a new lease on life when the Queen Mother bought the castle and after a tip-to-toe restoration Mm. to the building, which took her 50 years <laughs> to complete. 50 years. Yeah. That's a significant restoration. So it was looking whip smart, clean. She spent several weeks there and then died. The castle yeah. hmm. became the first royal residence. I wonder of- if that had anything to do with no. of the restoration. Yeah, well, I don't know. Possibly. She might have overdone it. Mm. The castle became the first royal residence opened up to paying guests. So you can stay, for example, in the Captain's House Cottage, which was where the late Queen Mother loved having an indoor picnic. Now, I find that concept a bit odd, (laughs) an indoor picnic. I loved the Queen Mother. She had the best sense of humour. She actually didn't really care. No, that's true. That's what I loved about her. And she probably doesn't give her stuff. That I am questioning the merits of an indoor picnic. No, she'll have you knocked off. Yeah. Henry VIII may well have been the Hugh Hefner of the Tudor period, um, and with Hampton Court Palace being the 16th century equivalent of the Playboy Mansion. Yes. It really was. And a pleasure palace that set the stage for some seriously debauched parties. Yes. Situated on the banks of the Thames, just southwest of London, the infamous King's Pad has its own pleasure gardens. What's a pleasure garden, really? Well, it's really sort of like an ornamental garden mm-hmm. where you can have a little frolic amongst the freesias. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a tennis court. It's got its own bowling alley. That's all available in the stays. Oh. So you can stay at this 16th century Playboy mansion. Do you get a smoking jacket or a dressing gown like you? No, I think you bought them all up. Okay. Yeah. But where you actually stay is not in Hampton Court Palace proper, but you can stay in the Georgian House apartment, which is on site. 
So it comes complete with a private walled garden. Oh, love a private walled garden. And you do get a lovely view over the surrounding palace rooftops. Mm. Yeah. Now, what about Osborne House? Very, very nice. This would be one of the best, I reckon. So Osborne House is on the Isle of Wight, just off the mainland. This was beloved by Queen Victoria and Prince Albert as their family holiday home. Although I've got to say, Queen Vic wasn't exactly a cheerful person. Well, she went a bit sour later in life. She did. Yes. It was also where Victoria made her final departure in 1901. Ah. Um, So when you actually go to Osborne House for a look around, you can actually see where she died. Um, Oh, joyful. Yeah. Nowadays, the holiday apartments are available for the great unwashed like Andrew and I. Oh, how lovely. In fact, they sleep four. If you want to. I love that you just paused after that. I was thinking, hold on, I need to stitch this together. (laughs) If you want to take the family, they sleep four. So these apartments are inside Osborne House. You are sleeping within the same property, the same dwelling, where Queen Victoria died. Isn't that incredible? Fascinating. Thank you. Right. Now, Sandringham. Let's let's say Sandringham, which is synonymous with Christmas. Sandringham in Norfolk was purchased by Queen Victoria and it remains a firm favourite with the royal family. We hear about Sandringham all Mm. the time in the news. And since the late Queen spent her first Christmas there as an eight-month-old, the entire Windsor tribe converge here every December. But when the monarch isn't in residence... Cottages that house their travelling staff are available to let. Yeah. Yeah. So if that invitation to Christmas lunch 2022 hasn't arrived in the mail and you're not confident that it will (laughs) for King Charles III and his Christmas gathering, this is the next best thing. It is. Grab some of those staff cottages. Uh, What was formerly the head gardener's house is available to rent year-round when the monarch isn't staying. The Garden House, as it's now called, overlooks the ornamental garden that adjoins the main building of Sandringham. To actually say, I stayed at Sandringham. I know. It's so cool. It's a bit of a thing. Yeah. Also on the estate, Park House, which was the childhood home of the late Diana, Princess of Wales. In 1983, the late Queen transformed it into a hotel for uh, disabled people and their companions. I think this is brilliant. This is really cool. Yeah. So this is specifically designed and equipped to meet uh, the needs of disabled people. Park, and, the, and, this is ex- and this is exactly what Diana would have done. Yeah, definitely. So disabled guests and their companions can enjoy a relaxing holiday together within this purpose-built facility at Sandringham. All right. Now we're talking high-level stuff. Mm. What about Balmoral? Oh, yes. As we all know, the royal family's hideaway in the Scottish Highlands was one of the Queen's favourite residents. It's fitting, isn't it, that that is where she spent her final days. Indeed. So it's flanked by more than 20,000 hectares of forests and locks and glens, truly a royal playground. It is. And Balmoral is like creme de la creme, Mm. right? And mere mortals can follow in the footsteps by renting one of the six holiday cottages on the royal grounds, available, of course, when the family aren't in residence, and they can be rented on a weekly basis. Yeah. So this is similar to the cottages in Sandringham. So they generally serve as staff quarters when the monarch is in residence. All of the properties come with the option to arrange the services of a local chef, or you could order in some home-cooked meals. Each property provides accommodation for up to five people. 
It is not particularly cheap, although I don't think it's over the top. You can rent out some of these cottages for about a thousand bucks a week. Actually, no, the more I think about it, that's actually quite reasonable. For Balmoral? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a motel in Aranui. It's Balmoral. <laughs> this is true. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. Yep. It's a great deal. And in the heart of London, by Buckingham Palace, you notice we're sort of stepping up yes, here. Yes. Buckingham Palace, the Rubens is the best bet, right? Yes. So this overlooks the rear of Buckingham Palace. It's a century-old hotel. And I actually think for Londoners, a lot of them will see this as essentially a glorified accommodation wing for palace guests. Yeah. So it's so close to the palace, it's pretty much part of the palace. From the windows, you can watch the guardsmen in the Royal Amuse cleaning the Rolls Royce. For King Charles III, you can see the king's horses. And all the king's men? And all the king's men in the the stables. All those nursery rhymes we had as a kid that talked about the king. Yes. And we never had a king. Now we have. They actually make sense now. This is true. Yeah. Uh, Within the hotel, the Rubens, they've got the Palace Lounge, which would have to be one of the absolute best afternoon tea venues in London. Mm. It's all royal. And let's say, that's a big call. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the place to go to tuck into coronation chicken sandwiches, which were conceived for the Silver Jubilee of George V. Um, You can have a a little uh, tasty of the jam pennies, which was one of the favourites of the Queen as a wee treat. All of William and Harry's favourite chocolate sweet treats are part of the afternoon tea service. So every bite comes with a story. Oh, how very British, Michael. Yes. Now, any chance um, Buckingham Palace, the Tower of London or, or Windsor Castle could offer lodgings? Wouldn't that be amazing? I know. I, th- I mean, they've got hundreds of rooms at Buckingham Palace, right? Mm. If they Airbnb'd a few of them, <laughs> it could be a nice little earner. I just want to go and hang out with a raven. Yes, at the Tower. Yeah, that yes. was my favourite bit when I was at the Tower, yes. was actually getting really, really close to the ravens. Magnificent. Big, joyous birds. I think they might give you a peck or two. Yeah. I think he's a tasty kiwi. Thinking about your relationship with birds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'd have much luck there. But just imagine the apparitions you would see staying overnight at the Tower of London in White Tower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was freaky. Being there was freaky. With seeing that where people had scratched out parts of the stone walls when they were imprisoned. And you just think. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. We will have more on London and Royal Britain in coming episodes because something which happened after Diana's death and all of that worldwide coverage in the late 90s, I'm sure is going to be unfolding as we speak, the renaissance and royal-driven tourism to Britain. Absolutely. On that note, we're done for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Yes. If you would like to check out our Facebook page and give that a like, We would love you. Our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. Indeed. And our feature articles on things like Illinois Route 66, Where to Sleep with the Royals, they're all available (laughs) on our companion website, for the love of travel, 
Dot NZ. That is for the love of travel.nz, and we will catch up with you next time. We've got no idea what we're doing next time. What are we doing next I time? I have no idea, oh, Andrew. Well, you're so disorganized. I know. Well, you'll find out when we do. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take care. Telly ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.